Welcome to 721 Live, the video arm of 721 Ministries. I'm Sam Hunter. I'm glad that you're with us. Thank you for joining us. Today will be our second look at our five-year plan. We started last week. And by the way, remember, you can hit that subscribe button, and these videos will come straight to you. Pick up last week's. Not really a five-year plan, but looking out five years. Looking out at how old you will be five years from now. Why don't you do that right now? Just think about that number. What will you be five years from now? And sometimes that can be a sobering thought, no matter where you are in your life. But then to come back to where we are today and ask the question that Andy Stanley asked is where you're going, where you want to be when you get there. Because as he said, direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. It's where you're going, where you want to be when you get there. And when I look out five years, I feel good about where I am now in life, my body, mind, and spirit. I feel good about my relationship with Jesus. I feel good about my knowing, growing in the knowing of my Heavenly Father, but there are a lot of things that I want to, I want to grow deeper into the kingdom. I want to grow more as a man. I want, to, I want to have more of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Don't you? You know, I, I joke with the men, if you, if you really are fine with where you are, if, you're, if you are okay being complacent and sort of coasting for the next five years, then don't come back to the 721 meetings because we're about digging deeper. We're about growing in our relationship, and I hope you are too. So today, I call today's talk overflowing, because in a few minutes, we will talk about the fruits of the Spirit, and I want to impress upon you that this is all about those fruit, those, uh, the Spirit just overflowing from us into the lives of the people around us. The first order of business is for us to fill up on Jesus to that point of being so full that we then overflow. Oswald Chambers makes a very good observation about this, and I want to share that with you. Our spiritual life cannot be measured by success as the world measures it, but only by what God pours through us, and then I added, and then overflows from us, and we cannot measure that at all. So I asked the question, what do you want to see when you see you five years from now? What do you want to see when you watch yourself, when you think about yourself, the, the man or woman that you will be five years from now, what do you want to see? Do you want to see a grouchy old person, you know, a get off my lawn old man or old woman? Or do you, do you want to see someone who is uh, just sort of coasting through life and perhaps is plateaued in their relationship with Jesus and their heavenly father? Or do you want to be growing and thriving and full of positive energy? Do you want to be living with Holy Spirit power? what we call energy, clarity, and creativity, because I do. I want to see a different man in five years. And Jesus frames it for us like this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, which we will in a moment, we're talking about fruit that will last, not temporary fruit, not temporal fruit, but fruit that that has eternal value to it. Now, we have a warning in Scripture. We have several warnings in Scripture. And quite frankly, it would give me great joy just to talk to you all day long about how great it is to be in a relationship with Jesus, what He'll do for your life, how He will enhance your life, that He will bring that Holy Spirit power, and that you will be transformed into an entirely different person. That gives me great joy to talk about that. But I would be remiss 
if I didn't give you the full flavor of the entire gospel message, and there are some warnings in Scripture that I have to tell you about so that you're aware and do not miss it. And here's one of them, and this is a warning about building your life and producing fruit that has no eternal value. The Holy Spirit through Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, a warning against fruit that will not last. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We always start with Jesus Christ. Verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, that's fruit that will last, wood, hay, or straw, fruit that will not last, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, and notice that's a capital D, will bring it to light. You will have a judgment day. There will be a review of your life. Jesus said it. The Holy Spirit through Paul said it. Jesus said, I'm coming back with the angels, and I will reward each person according to what they have done. There is going to be a review. 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's Christians. Christians, born-again Christians, going to heaven to spend eternity. I shouldn't say going to heaven. To spend eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for things done while in the body, both good and bad. There will be a review. And I, just based on this scripture, part of that review is going to be looking at your life, the fruit that you produced. And is it fruit that lasts? Gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw that just gets burned up? And listen to the next passage. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what, is, if what is, has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. We're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about eternity, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I don't want to enter eternal life as just as one escaping through the flames. I don't want to watch that review of my life and watch 95% of it go up in smoke. I want to live a life that has meaning, that has eternal value. I want to live into the kingdom. And living into the kingdom means that I will, by living with the power of the Holy Spirit, I will just naturally overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. This gives us the indication that, yes, we're talking about salvation. You don't earn this, but there is, it does matter how you live here, there. This gives us the picture of someone who just barely makes it in, as if the flames of hell are, are just nipping at their, at their back as they go in. I don't want to enter a turn. I don't want my Heavenly Father to say, well, I guess we got to let Sam in. I let him in. Yes, he did surrender his life to Jesus 30 years ago, but he hadn't done anything since. Let's just, let's let him in. Don't you want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? So what we do here matters there. That's crystal clear in the Scripture. I threw this out last week, and I'll throw it out again. The number one responsibility of a fruit tree is to grow, not roots, to, excuse me, not fruit, to grow roots. The number one responsibility of a fruit tree is to grow roots. Now watch this passage from the Holy Spirit through Colossians 2 about growing roots. So then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, 
Continue to live your lives in him, rooted, rooted, and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Do you see roots equals fullness equals overflowing? Roots, digging those roots down deep. Digging those roots in so that the fruit just naturally produces and you overflow. That is exactly what Colossians, this passage in Colossians, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, so the number one job of a fruit tree is to grow roots. The fruit then comes naturally. What are we rooted in? How do we grow these roots? Where do we start? And this is where... I kind of threw a curveball to the men's groups because, you know, that's what I do, men's ministry. Now, these talks were tailored towards everyone. But during the week, in our men's meetings, it's all men. And a bunch of men sitting around a room talking about love seems a little odd, doesn't it? It seems a little awkward, but that is where we went because rooted in what? Rooted in love. Watch this passage again from the Holy Spirit through Paul, Ephesians 3, 17, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in, in what? In love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the, what? The love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, and then and I added this, and then, and only then, will you overflow with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love. We grow our roots in love. That's where it all starts. And we want to tease that out a little bit more, but we see in this prayer from the Holy Spirit through Paul to be rooted and established in love, to know how wide and, and high and long and deep is the love of God, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Billy Graham, uh, there, I have two quotations for you that, that, sh- that really kind of start getting us towards this idea of love, and I want to tease this out because we're going to talk about this idea of love and how do we get rooted in, our, in this love, and, and we'll start, of course, with God's love, for, God's love for us. Let's hold that thought, and we'll get to it in a minute. Billy Graham said this, <clears throat> as an older man, looking back over his life, he said, looking back, I wish I had preached the love of God more than the wrath of God. That's Billy Graham. I don't know who made this statement, but it's very appropriate. Before I would teach a child to believe in the Bible, I would teach them to believe that the God of the Bible loves them personally and perfectly. Billy Graham said, I would rather, I wish I'd have spent more time preaching the love of God than the wrath of God, and then I would rather a child know how much God loves them before they even know anything about the Bible. Of course, the more you read in the Bible, the more you see God himself saying, I love you. I love you. I, I, I love you as, as my creation, as my, as my child. And then we pick up the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 2. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It starts, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, I, I, we made up this chart And I want you to look at this closely. First off, we have the cross at the top because everything starts at the cross. Jesus' love for us demonstrated by the cross. But then we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Your 
translation in all likelihood says goodness. That's a bad translation. It should say generous. It is The word is generous. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Oftentimes, I ask the men over the years to grade themselves on the fruit of the Spirit, A, B, C, D, F. And can you look at these and guess and think about where their lowest grades are? Let's, let's take a look at this again. The lowest grades for men, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these then eventually pour into each other and create the life to the full. Where do you think the lowest grades went? Well, almost without exception, patience and self-control. For men, patience and self-control. In the last few meetings we've had, we've had some men say, well, you know, I really struggle. I would grade myself really low on generosity. Others said, uh, you know, I don't really feel like I had that joy and that peace. I'd give that a real low grade. And the next question that I asked was, looking at these, which of these can you fake? Which of these can you manufacture? Let me say that a different way. Which of these can you manufacture in your own will? Now, I'll give a caveat in a moment, but let's look at these again. I cannot manufacture love. I cannot manufacture joy. I cannot manufacture peace. But I, could, I can grit my teeth and, and be patient. I can be kind to people. I can write checks. I can be generous. Faithfulness we'll talk about in a minute. I can try to act gentle, and I can try to control myself. But the key is I'm not going to fool anybody long term. I can manufacture this. In my own will, I can make this happen. But I'm not overflowing with it, and it's really not going to be fruit that will last. When I look back at this and I ask, which of these can I obviously not manufacture? And the first one is love. We cannot fake joy. We cannot fake peace. And the truth is, we cannot get any of these without starting with love. And that's why I show this as a fountain. You see, we fill up on God's love for us. We fill up on God's love for us. We fill up to the full measure of His love for us. We, we, we train ourselves, we discipline ourselves to remind ourselves. We, we make that effort because it doesn't come naturally to remember how much God loves us, how much my heavenly Father loves me. First of all, he sent Jesus to pay the ultimate sacrifice for me. He wants me in his family. He wants to live eternally with me. He is such a gracious and compassionate God. He is an unbelievable heavenly Father. He loves you. He likes you too, but he loves you. And the more I remind myself of that, and I think, look what he's done for me. Number one, he saved me. I was on a a straight road to hell. Yes, I was. And he plucked me off of that and turned me around and changed my entire life. He did that for me. That is enough. But then he just kept just lavishing blessings. And no matter where you are in life, he has lavished blessings on you. So the more I fill up with love, his love for me, the more I will overflow with that love to others and then the joy in my life. Without love, there'll be no joy. Without joy, there'll be no peace. Without peace, there will be no patience. Without that patient heart, there'll be, you'll be lacking in kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, 
all pour into the bottom fountain, which makes us life to the full. Now, I want to I look at these individually, and I want you to think about where you are now, how focused are, are, are you on these, and thinking about five years out. So we start with love. His love for me, mine for others. Where, where are you in that in life? Where are you in his love for me? How, how much are you absorbing that, appropriating that, living with that constant realization that he loves me? He loves me. Dallas Willard says, joy is a pervasive sense of well-being. Do you have that, not always giddiness and happiness, although there's nothing wrong with happiness, but it's a pervasive sense of well-being. Everything is okay in my life. It is better than okay. Everything's good. That sense of joy, positive energy. And therefore, you're going to have peace. And peace, remember, comes from our word, our Hebrew word, shalom. And that carries with it much more than an absence of anxiety. It carries with it a sense of wholeness. And I like to say, I like to say this. No thanks, I'm full. When temptation comes my way, when old habits rear their head, when something that is not the best comes my way, is presented to me in any way, shape, or form, instead of gritting my teeth and saying, I'm not not going to fall to that temptation, if I'm so full of his love and I'm so full of his joy and I'm so full of his peace, I can just say, no thanks, I'm full. No thanks, I'm full. What a life that would be. No thanks, I'm full. I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. I'm full of his love. I don't, I don't, I'm not tempted by any of these things. Let's keep going. Patience. I do not get rattled. I'm a patient person. I do not get rattled. Kindness. We developed this saying years ago, when you have the choice of being right or being kind, choose kind. When you have the choice of being right or being kind, choose kind. Kindness. Be a kind person. Now, I said that goodness is not the right translation. Generosity. But not just writing checks. Generosity of the eyes, your time, money. When we get back into the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see that Jesus talks about having generous eyes. When your eyes are generous, your body is full of light. When your eyes are stingy, your body is full of darkness. And oh, how great that darkness is. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Do you view people in a light most favorable? Well, the more you fill with his love and the more joy, peace, and patience you have, the more generous your eyes will be. You will be with your time. And, of course, you'll be with your money. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Let me just, I'm coming back to faithfulness. Gentleness. We power down, we don't power up. We are gentle people. We're, not, we're, we're meek. Meek is power under control. One of the Beatitudes, meek is power under control. I don't need to power up against you. I power down like Jesus did. I don't have to bow my chest up and get ready for a fight. I, Jesus powered down. He had a different type of power. And back to self, self-control again, I do not get rattled. You cannot rattle me. I want to come back to faithfulness for a moment. I do men's ministry, so you're going to see here that I have patriarch, spiritual leader. Now, patriarch has a bad name now. It's been given a bad name. It's been given a bad connotation. But I want you to think about this. A a dear friend of mine who is a very big thinker, David Stone, he's a big thinker. And 10 years ago or so, he asked me when we were together, he said, "Are, are you the patriarch of your family? 
Now, what did he mean by that? Or the matriarch, if I'm talking to you as a woman. I remember after my father died, my mother, who lived another 10 years at wedding receptions and rehearsal dinners and all, she would always want to stand up and, and say something about one of her grandchildren who was getting married, and she'd say, I'm the matriarch of this family. Think about what that connotes in, in the way it should connote. Why is David asking me that? And, and why would I want to be that person, that patriarch? the one that people in my family will come to when they need help, when they are seeking advice, when they're looking for counsel, when they've gotten themselves upside down. It's not that I want to be that person so that I can be the top dog. I don't, it's not like being a Don in a mafia family. It's just being the person, the man or the woman, who is overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. So much so that people seek you. They look to you for, their, for spiritual guidance. You know, when we started 721 Ministries 20 years ago, we were all younger. We were in our 40s. We had younger children. We were earlier, at least, on in our marriages. And we would say, are you the godliest man your wife knows? Are you the godliest man your children know? That's what we want to live for. Not so that we can be that person, but that we are living out the fruit of the Spirit. The, these fruit that it's overflowing from love to joy to peace to patience to kindness to generosity to faithfulness to gentleness and self-control. Starting with love. It starts with His love for me. His love for you. Jesus' love for you. And you know, Jesus, I want you to know what kind of love he has for you and we wrote a book deep calling deep we've got another book out since then sabbath it's about the sabbath but this one deep calling deep follows looking through the eyes of john the disciple follows jesus around through the gospel of john and his encounters and in chapter four i want you to, i just want to take an excerpt out of that because i think it captures very well exactly what we're talking about when we talk about this love because john was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was his title. That's what people said about him, the disciple that Jesus loved. What did that mean? Let's, let's take a, a look at a couple of these excerpts. And I titled this chapter, The Disciple Jesus Loved. And this is John talking, How might I describe my time with him, Jesus? Perhaps I can best sum it up in one word, love. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Clearly, I'm quoting, I'm, I'm having John quote from his own letter, 1 John chapter 4, perfect love drives out fear. This, my dear child, is why I am called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not because I think he loved me more than the others. Jesus was not capable of something as human as unequal love. He loved all equally. No, I call myself this because this is the lasting, indelible impression he left in my heart. He loved me. The disciple that Jesus loved was not the disciple Jesus loved the most, he was the disciple who lived the rest of his days fueled the most by his love. And finally, 
through all the good times and bad, through the miracles, the parables, the teaching, and the training, the overarching, compelling message I felt, what we all felt, was his enduring love. Yes, he would at times be frustrated with our lack of faith. Yes, at times he would press us and challenge us as to why we were so slow to understand him and his mission. But through it all, he loved us. And now, we love because he first loved us. That's what John the disciple said in his own letter, 1 John chapter 4. God is love. And John clearly lived out the rest of those years, many years, maybe 50-plus years after Jesus left this earth with the, with, the, with the piercing, piercing knowledge that Jesus loved him and still loved him all the way through. And that changed everything for John. Jesus said in John's gospel, in John chapter 7, verse 38, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will overflow from within them. Let's go back to the title of this talk, Overflowing. You see, I want to be a different man five years from now, and I, want, I hope that you want to be a different man or woman five years from now. And it starts with appropriating Jesus' love for us appropriating the idea that he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, that he is always with me, he's always working for my best, he's before me, he's behind me, he's right here with me. He loves me, and he loves you. And the more I live with that, the more the fruit of the Spirit will grow in me and overflow into the life around me. And that's where I wanted to take us today. What do we do? How do we bump the trajectory? How do we continue to grow? We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Paul, Peter in 2 Peter 1.5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to, and I would add, eliminate from, an increasing measure. So we're not talking about major jumps in your life, becoming someone you're, you're not overnight. We're talking about bumping the trajectory. We're talking about making small changes in your life. You know, because we just produced this book on the Sabbath, it's called Lighten Up But Tighten Up, and you should get it because it is really, it will be very helpful in helping you to understand what setting the, that day apart looks like. I've decided to stop wearing a watch again. That reminds me, on, nothing sinful about wearing a watch on Sunday, but it just reminds me this is the Lord's day. I want to treat this day differently. I want to set it apart. The little things that you can do, perhaps, you might take this on. We, we've done this exercise many times over the years. We're in the middle of January. What about if for the next two or three weeks, you only said the name Jesus? You didn't say God. You didn't say Christ. You didn't say Lord. You said Jesus. It is a wonderful exercise to bring him more and more in the, into the details of your life. And then next week, we'll talk about the things that we want to eliminate from our lives that are getting in the way of us going deeper into the kingdom. That's next week. I hope you'll stay tuned. I hope you'll follow up on this because we want the next five years to be different. We want to be transformed into the likeness of his son because there is so much more. You know it. Come, follow Jesus, and find it.